So we're continuing our series in uh, Gospel of John, and today uh, we are um, about to encounter one of the very famous and often quoted Bible verse, whether it's Christians or not, the truth will set you free. It has been used in very different, uh, many different contexts and often misunderstood. Um, and it's not anything too different, even Christian context and church settings as well. Looking at the Gospel of John, although all other Gospels are like that too, this aspect of uh, spiritual freedom is centered around Jesus' teaching so clearly. And it's contrasting uh, as opposed to secular thoughts. And we will find out. So let's... uh, think about before we delve into the passage about true freedom according to to the Gospel of John. My purpose in this introduction is to expose misguided thoughts or common misconceptions about freedom. The first one is true freedom is not about doing whatever we want. This is typical uh, concept that we grew up in America with this thought that nobody tells me what to do and nobody pressures me what to do, what not to do. If I could do whatever I want, that's really freedom. And somehow we had erroneous notion in even Christian life that Jesus gives me that kind of freedom. And no, actually, according to Jesus, according to the Gospel of John, true freedom is about being our true self. The person that God designed us to be There is an unspoken um, nuance in what's just just stated. Something is blocking us to be our true self. And if you will use that paradigm of We're living in a low self most of the times rather than true self. Lower self is sometimes denied completely. But the Gospel of John, even today's passage, exposes this. True freedom is to be from the slavery of sin. And we will see Jesus' axiom on this teaching Whoever practices sin is a slave to sin. So true freedom, in order for us to be the tr- our true self, 
we need to be free from sin. That means free, being free to not sin. But we, we live in a way that uh, our lives are compared to other people. Uh, I don't sin that much compared to so-and-so, or compared to that group of group people. Am I a slave to sin? No, I don't think so. But Jesus is saying, whoever sins is in slavery of sin. Who in the world in this world, can stand up who has never sinned before. That's actually the true freedom. Um, yes, there is a political freedom, economical freedom, and other freedoms. These are temporal. But true freedom is a spiritual freedom, and Jesus exposes this nature of eternal nature of true freedom, and why we need to be free from the bondage of sin and ignorance about ourselves. And if I give you maybe thesis of today's passage is simply summarizing this way, true freedom comes from knowing the truth, Jesus Christ. In chapter 14 of John's Gospel, Jesus said, I am the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. <coughs> the truth is, the source of truth is actually God himself. And Jesus came from God and God sent his son as the truth. The truth will set us free. Let's look at the uh, passage and ask questions of different aspects of Jesus' teaching on true freedom. The first one is way to freedom, verses 31 to 33. Way to freedom. How do we get to freedom? The way to freedom is knowing the truth by abiding in Jesus' word as a true disciple which sets us free. Verse 31 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, believed him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We're offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become First sign of slavery is denial. The typical things that you know, uh, uh, people who are in slavery, addiction, or anything, the first thing that they need to really come uh, come to realize is step one of twelve steps is that this problem is real. I have a problem, and this problem is bigger than me. I need help from outside of me. That's the realization. And obviously, the Jews here are pseudo-disciples. They believed him. 
Their belief was a mental believism. But Jesus is challenging them. If you really believe, you want to be free. If you abide in my word. Why is it in word, not words? Jesus is categorically speaking, the teachings that I do, the truth that comes out of my words, the entirety of it, if you abide in my word. So rather than aha moment of, oh, I know the truth, so the truth will set me free, that kind of notion is actually false. Jesus is saying, continuation of trusting, embracing, obeying, and following through, fleshing out the teaching of Jesus, and that truth will be known by us. We will know the truth, and truth will set us free. Um, in order for us to be really free from the slavery of sin, we need to free from ignorance first. That's why knowing the truth. And there are five aspects of the knowing the truth. Number one, truth about evil. And number two, truth about goodness, which is God's will. And number three, truth about ourselves, that we cannot handle it. Handle life, handle evil. And truth about God, who God is, and truth about our newborn self in Christ Jesus, new self. God gives a new heart. Which means that freedom starts with that new regeneration, regeneration of our Christian life. And that sets us free, not only from sin, from death, uh, the penalty of sin, and in eternal perspective, including the evil one, who snares, who lures us to sin. I think when you think about this quote, A.W. Tozer said that Christian liberty is freedom from sin, not freedom to sin. It's so true. But there are a few steps needed for us to really know and embrace this. Here's a secular thought that is pervasively uh, invaded into the Christian community and Christian life. Even a typical Christian American thought, like this. Everyone has free will. Morally neutral will. So here's a good and bad. And then we have a choice. 
We're completely free moral agent. So more education will help us to find the way to choose the good over evil or bad. And the Christians think like that too. So that's why we tend to trust ourselves. I, I could handle this. And going into the very the, uh, seductive situation, going into the very dangerous, toxic situation, we will say, I could handle it. Or going into the very subtly, the angelic evil is in the name of God that we are serving and the mixed motives there and then the tension, conflict, all those things are there and then we're saying, I could handle it. Christian thought, as opposed to the secular thought, we do have will. But our free will is messed up because of the fallen nature of humankind. Adam and Eve sinned, and the original sin came into our life. Sin nature. By original sin, it's not Adam and sin. Adam's sin. Why am I responsible for Adam and sin? Adam's sin. It's not that. The consequence of Adam's sin became our fallen heart, sinful nature. So when when there is a good and evil. We don't have completely, absolutely free will that is neutral. Then one of the concepts that we need to embrace is total depravity. We're pervasively affected by the depravity of the sinful nature in our hearts. So left alone we'll find out even more so, like the, these Pharisees, we're going to justify ourselves, we're going to uh, rationalize our sin, and we're going to deny that we are enslaved by sin. But Jesus is saying, if you want the true freedom, not only just believe mentally, come abide in me. Look at the teachings that I do and embrace it, obey it, follow it. Then truth will set you free. Brothers and sisters, I don't know what you're going through, but this freedom surpasses your circumstantial environment. Let's say you, you could unthinkable situation. Not, not like America, there's no uh, religious freedom, there's no political freedom. Let's think about you are in North Korea or in China with all the coronavirus going on. This freedom sets us free even in that situation. In the most horrific situations, The famous story of Corey Ten Boom, uh, was it, uh, who, who was not a Jew, who was uh, out, out of Christian heart, who was helping 
the Jewish people to escape, and she got caught by the Nazi Germany and with her sister Betty, and she was in, in a concentration camp. Horrific situation. But some of the most powerful testimonies in her, in her book, starting with Hiding Place, came out of that situation. That we see freedom when there is no external freedom. So way to freedom is true discipleship and to know Christ. Here's a need for freedom. The need for freedom is everyone who practices is a slave to sin. Hence, every human being needs true freedom. Verse 34, And Jesus said, answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. All that, verse 36, is so powerful. We need to embrace it. Because there is false freedoms and pseudo-freedoms. There is illusion of freedom that we will feel like it's so free. Have you ever felt that? Like when you accomplish something, when the final exam is over as a student, when the, your project is over, you feel so free. How long does it last? Or the little conflict with your friend, finally you feel so free. How long does it last? But if the Son, son Jesus the Son, set you free, you will be free indeed. And obviously, this is an allusion to maybe the Old Testament story of Abraham and Isaac versus Ishmael, the illegitimate son, uh, the son that was promised by God that Isaac will stay forever, that Ishmael will leave. But the son here is not the Christian here. Son refers to Jesus, the Son himself, in God's house. So as I already stated before, if I think about, if you think about anyone in the, in the world, not a comparative relative uh, standard, but an absolute standard of God's holiness, there is not a single person who has not sinned. And later in the passage, Jesus is actually challenging the Jews. Who among you can, can pinpoint my sin? Any, any little sin. Jesus was the perfect man. And because of that, the son who is sinless, has the power to free us from, from the sin. And the penalty of sin, power of sin, presence of sin, even in the future. And then he will bring us to co-heirs with him as the adopted children of God. That is powerful. 
That is in eternity. Um, the first thing that we need to realize, um, it's not matter of our will. It's kind of embarrassing for me to share this story because uh, this is kind of absurd in, in some way and some of you might, might feel that this is too much information. But for the edification of body, I'm going to share this. During my college years, I went to a retreat, and this was another spiritual high. Coming back, I hear the angelic voices of gospel songs, you know, it's kind of echoing, and I feel very, very holy. And suddenly, at the first day, I felt fearful because there are so many roller coasters in the past. So this time on, I've never decided before, this time on, I'm going to really, really try to live a Christian life. I'm not going to go down anymore. As a young man, I, I struggle with lust. So I said, okay, from this point on, there will be no lustful thoughts. And I decided. Second day, Reading the Bible, I'm really, really excited. But I felt like a man of God, strong, mighty man of God. If I am really man, uh, I was a fighter back then. I mean, really, literally, I, the martial arts and those things are really important. And then I decided to say, oh, I'm so wimpy. I need to show my dedication and, and commitment. One thirty in the morning, I decide to write my commitment. Try to cut a little bit in my blood, you know, those kind of things. <laughs> so I went to kitchen and, you know, the razor. It hurts a lot, <laughs> but it, the, the, the drops of blood didn't come out that much. And I felt, you wimp. So I went to the kitchen and hit the kitchen knife. <laughs> I cut too much. <laughs> so I try to, I meant to say, I, from this point, my body, my soul, my heart belongs to you. I live for you. That was all about all it, it. And then instead of one sentence, because you know, I feel so, uh, it's going to be wasteful if I put a bandage. <laughs> so I, I, I wrote four pages of this big letter. Guess what? First week, whenever I felt tempted, even, even TV commercial, and then lustful thoughts came, and I just put those things out under my bed and looked at it. I go, yeah, this is the decision I made. I'll never do it. Okay. And the second week, it kind of slowly declined the impact. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't make it. Third week, um, yeah, I remember. Fourth week, like the sand castle breaking down, demolishing, like, 
And I, I, I think I faced most miserable night of my entire life. I thought if I willed myself <coughs> that I could live a Christian life. That after fourth, fifth week, 1.30 in the morning, I said, Lord, I give up. I'm not fit to live a Christian life. It, this is impossible for me to not sin. And that's when I encounter the truth of Jesus. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, spiritually bankrupt, spiritually helpless, for there is the kingdom of God. That Jesus has room in my heart to take over the control rather than to, to be my helper, to be my like a tour guide kind of thing. That's why Charles Spurgeon, a uh, quote from Charles Spurgeon says, free will carried many a soul to hell, but never a soul to heaven. I will be the first guy who testified this. And even living in a Christian life, as I said before, it is impossible, not just difficult, impossible for us to live a sinless life, Christian life. Only when we are in abiding discipleship, ongoing relationship with Jesus, Jesus will set us free. You cannot dissect the salvation and freedom Jesus gives us. But for the sake of clarity, let's review this one more time. I said already in the beginning of the message, Jesus sets us free in the past when we received Jesus from the penalty of sin. We're no longer guilty before God because of Jesus' blood. So we are free from penalty, the death of eternal We have eternal life. But presently, Jesus is freeing us from the power of sin. This is called a sanctification as opposed to justification. Sanctification, gradual sanctification, progressive sanctification, we're being free from the power of God. The more mature you are, the more you're able to resist, overcome in such a way, supernatural way. No one has accomplished in that way. It's paradoxical things. The, the most mature character in the in New Testament, Apostle Paul, is I am the chief of sinners the more we realize the spiritual nature of our own self, the more we realize our deepest, desperate need for God and Jesus. Third is about obstacles to freedom. Um, as Jesus reveals here, well, maybe we should, for this one, read the passage. Think about what obstacles here. Verse 39, the Jews, they answered him, Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, 
if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the work Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did, the father of faith. Um, Verse 41, you are doing the works of your father did. They say to him, we were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Supposedly they, they believed Jesus and they're arguing with Jesus about this horrendous thing. Where did that come from? This is one of those things. We were not born of sexual immorality. I, I think I, I agree with the most commentators. This is an undercut jab to Jesus' birth. They found out Jesus was, Mary was pregnant before the, all these things happened. You are the illegitimate child. You're born of sexual immorality. We're not. Our father is one father, God. And Jesus answered to them, verse 42, if you were your, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. These pseudo-disciples of Jesus, these Jews, were in denial of their slavery. Even the first time whenever, when Jesus said, whoever sins are in slavery, and they said, we've never been in slavery. And obviously they're not dumb people. But throughout the history, Israelites were slavery in Egypt. Even, even in that context, slavery under the, or they had a somewhat religious freedom in, under Roman Empire, but still they're there to submit to the Caesar. So they're not denying the, the current situation, but they're actually saying, because of Moses, we answer to no one. We know how to live our religion in such a way that God desires. So we don't answer to any kind of other gods. That denial, but here, their denial is, well, actually, we belong to our God, Father. He's our Father. So the obstacle, let's, obstacle to freedom, let's state it this way. That Jesus reveals here, denial, false security, and self-justification are the key obstacles to true freedom. Let's look at one, one at a time. Denial, we, we already looked at it. And false security, 
is in their Jewish lineage. Their blood, they're the sons of Abraham. Jesus even said, you are children of Abraham, but you don't belong to children. You belong to the privilege and the right of Abraham. What is he talking about? The blood relationship doesn't make that you are true sons of God. The Jews were so prideful because of their ethnic heritage, even to this day. They're the chosen people. They're the children of Abraham. (coughs) And hence they claim that God, one father, is our father. In reality, they were still enslaved to sin. That is, if you flip that around, they're still free from obeying God's will, whom they claim their father. In other words, they freely disobey, and they're still in slavery to sin, and they were not true offspring of Abraham as the children of God. This is not their story only. This is applicable to us. Is any of us thinking that oh, my family, my parents' family, my uncle's family, my grandparents' family, uh, they're all Christians. I'm a fourth-generation Christian. We, we all have that. My, my dad is a pastor. My dad is an elder. Um, and my great-grandma, in true story, she was one of the few first Korean Christians in the northern part of Korea, and which I used to be so proud of. Heritage is there. I'm not denying the spiritual heritage and then the influence that comes from it. But that does not make me a children of God, child of God. How about some, some other sense? Maybe you are the, one of those people who are trying to be so... Uh, trying hard to keep your own standard and very highly moral. Now what happens is because of those false security, because I do such and such and because of I do not do such and such, I might be belong to God. That's a self-justification and false security. Romans 2, 28, 29. Apostle Paul's words. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is a circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter. His praise is not from men, but 
from God. Paul is talking about exactly the same thing that Jesus is addressing to them. Just because you're ethnically Jew, that doesn't mean that you are really a Jew in the sight of God and chosen person. How about John uh, chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 12 to 13? We went over that. And <clears throat> but to all who did receive him, Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. So we have considered way to sin, need for sin, and obstacle to sin. The last one is origin. Let me do that again. We consider way to freedom, true freedom, and need for freedom, obstacles to freedom, and then fourthly, origin of freedom. The origin of freedom is this. True freedom comes from being a child of God, hearing the words of God in Jesus, the Son, who sets us free indeed. Verse 44. You are, Jesus is saying to the Jews, you are of your father, the devil. Can you be more offensive than this? And your will is to do your father's desires. He was murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. He is a liar and the father of the lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe, believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. In my own futile mind, And I do repent whenever those thoughts come to my mind. Wow. Jesus, maybe you win them first and then teach them. Did you have to be this offensive? And the truth is like a beam of light exposing the really darkness and the, the ugliness of darkness. And then we need to think about what's true love. And we tell the pe person who is in fourth stage of uh, cancer, incurable, unoperable, we smile and say, everything's going to be okay. 
We can say that because we're not we're not the person. And we do things like that in 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 the real life also too. Uh, for their own good, um, we're not going to reveal. In the Asian culture, it's so popular concept, right? But if I am deep troubled, I'm going to die. My doctor needs to tell me the truth. Then you're going to be okay. What's a loving thing to do? And Jesus here is addressing to these religious Jews, pseudo-disciples. But it's not applicable to them only. It's to every single one of us. When we take the pseudo-path of discipleship, Jesus, Jesus will say, whoever is sin, your father is the devil. Your influence is coming from that. One of the bondage is that influence and desires of the, the, the devil that you are actually obeying, meeting. And as, as Spurgeon mentioned, we think that sometimes we're free to sin. When in reality it is the bondage of that. The origin of true freedom is God and Jesus came from God and Jesus speaks the very words of God and the Son has the power to set us free indeed. And freedom in Christ whose words are the words of Christ. God the Father. Romans 8, verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And I think an important thing for us to remember this morning as we are encountering this first of all, what not to do? Oh, I believed in Jesus. I'm set free from, from the penalty of sin. The power of sin, uh, I'm getting better. So whenever we think of this as something that passed, or it's one of those truths that needs, that is need to be heard by the non-Christians, that we're going to be absolute severe danger because our discipleship might be pseudo-discipleship. The question is, do you abide? Do you embrace in Jesus' word? Jesus' word, or in order to abide in somebody's word, you need to have it close and every day. Do you trust those words? Do you trust, not only trust, to submit to the words of Jesus? Even when it's bothersome, even when you disagree, knowing that the supreme authority for your conduct and faith belongs to Jesus' word, the scripture. 
And then uh, on the other side, something that we must not do in the self-justification and rationalization is this. Oh, I, I go to men's group, I go to men, women's group, I do home group, I do quiet time as much as I can. So substituting these activities as abiding in Jesus' word. No. That could be a danger. Our head will become bigger and bigger and prideful. You know the language. You know even theology. You know what the commentary says. But in your heart, there is no transformation. There is no true ongoing freedom. And as you know, our vision for 2020 is to grow deeper in character, proven character. We, we don't grow, grow deeper in vacuum. When everything's so bright and sunny and rosy and everything is hunky-dory. No, when we encounter difficulties and difficult relationships and conflict and some irritation and frustration and some difficult situations in our life, some hardships, including illness of, of our loved ones and ourselves. What will you do? Do you abide? Do you cling to Jesus' word and apply? And those truths, do they transform your mindset? I want to conclude with Matthew Henry, uh, one of the old century years ago, uh, wrote these words, still powerful. Henry writes, Jesus Christ in the gospel offers us our freedom. He has authority and power to make free. One, to discharge prisoners. This he does in justification by making satisfaction for our guilt. The Romans word is a propitiation. Number two, he has a power to rescue bond slaves. And this he does in sanctification. Number three, he has a power to naturalize strangers and foreigners, and this he does in adoption. This is a further act of grace. We are not only forgiven and healed, but preferred. There is a charter of privilege as well as pardon. And thus the Son makes us free. Citizens of the kingdom of priests, the holy nation, the new Jerusalem. True freedom is being our true self. 
But problem is, we need to be free from sin. If you just unpack the word sin, we need to be free from ourselves. Ourself cannot save ourselves because of sin nature. We need to be free from, from our selfishness, the, ex, the exact the center of sin, which is all about our self-centeredness and selfishness. That you cannot do away by yourselves. The power of the Son comes His truth. We experience a freedom, growing freedom in, our, in ourselves. My prayer for us is as we go through the difficulties and challenges and trials of our lives, that we will experience true freedom. Not externally, not just, not just by just simple acts of religious bur- bursting out prayers, asking for prayers, but really abiding in Jesus' word, trusting fully, believing unto Jesus with all our weight and obey. He who has my commandment, Jesus said, he's the one who loves me. He who loves me shall be loved my father and my father will love him, right? And I will also disclose myself to him. May God's love through Jesus be personally experienced as we surrender ourselves and obey and truly love Jesus by obeying, abiding in His Word. Let's pray. Oh Lord Jesus, thank You for Your truth. It really hurts when we think about our own situation, because we, we do like to think of ourselves as, as somewhat decent people, not father of the, the devil. Um, but if we do not abide in you, we end up doing the desires of the, the, the devil. And we are being enslaved by sin. Yet your precious blood set us free, not to sin, but to serve you freely, to be the servants of God. And and I pray, Lord, that being true self will be a reality, growing reality in our community. Yes, we do have challenges. And even as a church, relationships are really hard. We pray that you will set us free by your truth. And thank you so much for your promise of being the son who sets us free, but son who reveals, disclose yourself personally to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.